We are today kicking off a brand new series. It's a four-part series called We Get to Do This. And normally with series, um, I, I just kind of personally like to create a little bit of tension, you know, and maybe we kind of name them a certain way and make you sit on the edge of your seat like, ooh, where are we going with this sort of thing? We're not going to do that this time, okay? I'm just going to spill the beans right out the gate. You know, don't bury the lead. We have one goal with this, the, these next four weeks, this series, and that is to encourage every single one of us to engage more here at Access. And whether it's your first time here or your 101st time, anything like that, our goal in this series is that every single one of us would be a little bit more a part of, of this thing that we call Access Church. And here, here at Access, our mission is very simple, that we exist to draw people into a growing relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And in order to accomplish that mission, we have taken on a very, very simple, but very focused strategy to help all of us in that endeavor. And we don't do everything under the sun as a church, especially if you've maybe been in other churches before. Our church calendar is almost bare, okay? We don't, we don't do a lot. And so rather than do everything, we've chosen to focus all our energies on some foundational, what we believe are life-changing action steps that we can take that will give us the best chance to get to know God better and grow in our relationship with him. They're not guarantees, okay? If you do these four things we're going to talk about, it doesn't guarantee we're going to be close to God. But I really think they are the best chance that we've got. And, and I know before we even get into what all the different topics are, I know that maybe some of us already, you know, when we hear, okay, the church wants, wants me to do something, there's a little bit of hesitation inside, you know, like, oh, great, here's one more thing I have to do, and they're going to try and manipulate me into something, or they're going to make me feel guilty. That's, that's not it at all. My goal, our goal with this series is that it's really more of a perspective change than anything else. And, and when you look at our lives, there's lots of areas where a perspective changes everything. For example, if you've got a family, hopefully you don't feel like spending time with your family is something you have to do, you know? If you feel that way, let me refer you to a couple counselors, okay? That's a, that's a pretty big issue. But man, when we love our family, we want to spend time with them. We want to go up to the cabin with them. We want to take vacations or just cuddle up on the couch and watch a movie. Those are things that not we have to do, that we get to do because, because the why is different. Or if you're a you know, a foodie type of person, you know, then trying out a new restaurant or watching cooking shows or, you know, experimenting with new ingredients in a dish. Man, those are fun. Those are exciting. We look forward to doing those things. Nothing changes, just a different perspective, a different way of looking at it. I don't, I don't know how many of you are into hunting. I assume a lot. Um, I'll see you in December after you take all of November off. But here's, here's the thing about hunting. When you just look objectively at the different steps it takes to hunt. You know, maybe go sleep in a tent or some, you know, shack out in the woods and you got to wake up early and you got to go brave the cold and you got to sit in a tree and you got to be there all alone. You got to hope something walks by. That don't make sense to me, okay? I don't get it. I don't know why you, um, so many of you love that. But when your why is solid, when there's a good reason behind it, those things aren't half choose. You're looking forward to it already. You're already planning to be gone and trying to give excuses to whoever lives with you about why you're going to be gone so much. Perspective changes everything. I think it's the same sort of thing with church. 
this series, the topics that we're going to talk about, this is not about, you know, the church wants something from us. Way more, this is we want something for us. These, these four things that we're going to talk about, I believe, are time-tested, proven action steps that we can do that will give us the best chance possible to grow in our relationship with God, okay? And so the, the goal of this series is that every one of us would engage more in the effort or in the hopes that we would grow in our relationship with God as well. So the first one that we're going to talk about today is this, to attend services regularly. Now, um, I know it's Labor Day weekend. It's kind of preaching to the choir a little bit, but um, here's, here's the, again, what's the reason behind this? What's the heart behind this? Because I think this is one of the best things that we get to do to help us grow in our relationship with God. And I want to start with a story. Now, this is not this is not my story. It's not a made-up story. It's actually from another pastor. His name is Andy Stanley, and it's how he starts off one of his most recent books called Irresistible. And I would personally highly recommend this book to every single person. It's not the Bible, okay? What Andy Stanley says is not what, you know, straight from from God. It's it's just his kind of take on something. But the point, the major point of this book that he writes about is I think something that every single person needs to understand, Christian or not, I would wholeheartedly recommend this book. In fact, I've made it required reading for our staff. I just believe in it that much. But the point for writing this book, he explains in the introduction, and I want to read it to you. So back in in the early 2000s, um, Andy was in China for some trip or something. And while he was there, he visited a leather goods factory that was owned by a friend of a friend. And he went on this tour, you know, all around, kind of see what they do or whatever. And while he was on this tour, there was a woman kind of following along, kind of shadowing them. She had started off years earlier on the factory floor and then worked her way up into management. So she just, she followed along on the tour. And this is, this is what he says. Two hours later, we were back in his office, the boss, for a quick recap. As we wrapped up, he said, does anyone have any questions? And to all our surprise, raising her hand to shoulder level, our shadow spoke up. I have a question, she said. Turning to me, she asked, are you a pastor? He says, I had no idea where this was going. I hadn't introduced myself as a pastor. I wasn't even sure if it was okay that I was a pastor. After all, we were in China. For all I knew, she was a government plant assigned to follow us around all afternoon. Yes, I said, I'm a pastor. What she said next in her beautiful broken English caused the hair to stand up on the back of my neck. She said, two years ago, someone gave me a CD of your sermon, How Good is Good Enough. I listened to it over and over. Then I asked Jesus to save me and live inside me. Before I was empty, now I am full. And he says, if you think I made this up, I don't blame you but I have witnesses. She went on. She said, I wanted to go to church, but there's no churches in my city. I began attending a Bible study in an apartment close to where I live. Sometimes I ride the bus to church, but it's two hours away and I'm always late. The bus ticket is expensive and I don't know anyone at the church. I was both honored and humbled, but she wasn't quite finished. Looking to her boss, she said, can I ask the pastor another question? He nodded in agreement. Pastor, she said, why doesn't everyone in America go to church? He says, I still haven't recovered from her question. 
I had no idea how to respond then, and I still don't today. How do you explain thousands of empty churches to a young lady who would ride two hours to attend a church in another town? How do you explain thousands of empty churches to a young lady who would be there every time the door was opened, if there was a door to open? Pastor, why, why doesn't everyone in America go to church? And as, as a pastor myself, I can relate very much to Andy's struggle and kind of, you know, taken abackness. In, a, in our world today, just in our country, actually, there are over 200 million people who identify as Christians, but yet less than a third of us attend any sort of service, even monthly, not weekly, even once a month. In the last two decades alone, the amount of people attending weekend services um, on a weekly basis has dropped by over 10%. And in that same time frame, the amount of people who, who have never attended church has risen by over 20%. In our country right now, 60% of Americans don't attend any church at all. Not even Christmas or Easter, just zero in total. And there are over 1 million Americans every single year walking away from attending church services altogether. In just our kind of local context, I've been a part of this church for over 20 years, been on staff for over 15, and I have, I've seen with my own eyes the decline. Now, when you look around today, it might not seem like it, but I remember back in the early 2000s, it was not uncommon for us to have over 600 people at all of our weekend services. But this year alone in 2023, our average attendance is 390. Quite a bit less. Now, just to be fair, not to paint like, oh my gosh, the world is ending. Our attendance this year is up 17% from the last year. And last year is up 12% from the year before. Okay, so we got a lot to be thankful for. We're, we're not closing the doors or anything like that. But, but the question still remains, why don't more people in America go to church? Just within a 15-mile radius of North Branch, there's over 1,000, 100,000 people. And uh, at our attendance, we are reaching less than half a percent of that. Even if you add together all the other churches in that 15-mile radius with generous attendance numbers, we're still at well under 2%. How come more people in America don't go to church? How come more people in our community don't go to church? How come, again, maybe not us today, you're all here, but how come there are still so many people who call access their church home, but yet don't attend more regularly? Now, to be fair, church doesn't equal services, okay? These, these walls and these 60 to 65 minutes together that to, to say that's church is a very inaccurate and shallow definition. Biblically speaking, church means the called out ones, the called out assembly. Anybody who's put their trust in Jesus is a part of this thing called the church. It's not just services. But on the same token, you can't accurately define church without these types of gatherings either. For as long as Christianity has been around and even before that, going back to its Jewish roots, the people of God have always made it a priority to gather together on a regular basis. Typically, that's weekly. 
to set time aside in our week to focus on God, to learn about him, to grow in our relationship, to build relationships with one another. It has always been a practice of believers from the very beginning. In fact, when you look at, there's a, there's a document in the New Testament called Acts. It's written by a guy named Luke, and it kind of serves as a historical documentary, if you will, of how the Christian church got started in the few decades after Jesus. And all throughout the history that Luke writes, we see time and time again, him, Luke, emphasizing believers meeting together. It starts almost at the very beginning in chapter two. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. On that day, on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and dwelt in people. Peter, one of Jesus' followers, got up and preached a message to to the people in Jerusalem at the time, and thousands of people became Christians. And what did they do as a result? Well, Luke tells us at the end of chapter two, all the believers met together in one place. I don't know how they fit them all. I don't know where they met, but you know what? It was important for them to be together. They met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. There, there's a lot more to this church thing than just meeting together, but, but to assume that this isn't part of it is completely wrong. Believers have always made it a point to meet together. As you read a little further in this letter, in chapter 5, the apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And guess what they were still doing? All the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. Throughout the rest of Acts, we see the same pattern happening over and over again. And it's not just in this one letter. It's all throughout the New Testament that in Paul's letter to the Romans, at the very end, he says, hey, I want you to thank these two people, Priscilla and Aquila, and also greet the church that meets in their home. Why? Because that's just what believers do. They meet together. In his letter to the, the Corinthians, Paul gives some corrective instructions. Listen, when you get together under the assumption, of course, you're going to do this. When you get together, here's some problems. Here's how to fix those problems. Here's how your meetings should look when you get together. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says, listen, when you meet together, the assumption, of course, you're going to do this. When you meet together, don't treat people differently based on how they look or how much money they have. The apostle John, Jesus' best friend, said, hey, when you meet, don't invite anybody to speak at these meetings if they don't preach the truth about Jesus Christ. It's been a practice from day one, the importance of meeting together regularly. Now, it's not about where we meet or what happens you know, necessarily during the service or what it looks like or any of those sorts of things. It's the point of togetherness. And I know in, in our world today, and, and unfortunately, maybe even some of us have experienced this, the reality of church hurt. You know, there, there are people all over the world today deconstructing from their faith because the church has hurt them. And that's, that's unfortunate, but it's just reality. Why? Because the church is made up of us, broken, sinful people. We don't always get it right. Sometimes we say things and do things that unintentionally hurt other people. If you're relatively new here, I don't, I don't say this with pride, but if you haven't been offended yet, just hang on. You, you will. 
probably for me. Okay. And like, that's again, that's not something to like, Ooh, yeah, it's just reality. Church hurt is real and it exists. But the overwhelming evidence of the New Testament is that believers have always met together. You don't abandon these sorts of meetings and times just because of issues that we face. And, and I know it's become very popular for people to say, and, and maybe even some of you here today or some of you online, you, you think this or believe this. Hey, you know what? I don't, I don't need the church to be a Christian. Technically, that's true. All we need is to put our trust in Jesus. Hey, you know what? I, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. I'm just not sure how that's possible. You know, that's, that seems to me to be in direct opposition of what we read in the Bible. How can you love Jesus and not love his body or not be even a part of his body? I love what author Brett McCracken says in one of his books, um, Uncomfortable. He says this, the Christian life cannot be an individual affair. The church is necessarily plural. To say you love Jesus but not the church is to say you prefer a decapitated head. That's creepy and doesn't work biblically. We are the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. We are the body. You can't separate the two and not be some creepy Halloween prank. You know, they have to go together. And so... This right here, this attending services regularly, what we're doing here today, this is just a modern way of practicing this ancient age-old tradition or value that Christians always have of being together and meeting together. And I, I, I know that even as you listen to this, you're just thinking, ah, he's just going to try and manipulate me into being here more, you know? Great. I showed up on a holiday weekend. Ain't that enough? This is not about adding one more thing to our already overpacked schedules, okay? This is, this is not at all something that we have to do. I believe there's an alternate perspective that we can take. And that is that this, what we're doing right now, what we do week in and week out, is something that we get to do. It's something that is so beneficial and so good for us. And maybe we've never heard it. Maybe we've never thought about it. Maybe we've forgotten. I don't know what it is, but like this type of gathering. It's not the only thing that we do to grow, but it is such an incredible privilege that we have. And I think many of us, I, I would assume that many of us, we come because we enjoy it. You know, we like the services or the music or our friends are here, those sorts of things. But I'm telling you, the, the reason to make this a priority is so much deeper and richer than just, I enjoy it. You know, and I just want to talk about a few of the reasons why this is something that we get to do and why it's so beneficial for us. We, we live in a world where there are a million different voices and opinions and ideas and social media and news stories, you know, trying to, trying to, you know, vie for our attention. But when we make this a priority in our lives, we give ourselves an opportunity to hear eternal truth. This is not the only place we can do that, not the only way, but this is a consistent way to get this in our lives. Our, our world is, is trying to tell us all the time, hey, you know what? You, you got to prove yourself. But God's eternal truth is that he loves us already. 
so so much of our relationships with other people, whether it's in your family or at your job or whatever, is, is all based on performance. If you do well, then the relationship is good. But that's not how God views us. He He accepts us just as we are. He invites us into a relationship no matter who who, how we live before, how we live now, how we live in the future. If our trust is in Jesus, he invites us to be in a relationship. What an incredible truth to hear and to learn for our lives. When we make these services or these sorts of gatherings a priority in our schedule, what we're doing is we're giving ourselves an opportunity to hear God's instructions for so many different areas of our lives. His instructions for our money, and how to build better relationships with one another, and how to parent better, and how to deal with anger and disappointment and anxiety and, and all those sorts of things. And listen, there are, there are hundreds of professionals all around us and thousands of books written on it and millions of hours of podcasts that we can listen to for those sorts of topics. But when we come together like this, it's an opportunity for us not to just hear good ideas or what someone thinks, but what does God say about these issues? What does God say about our money and our relationships? And it's just, it's such an incredible thing. And, and here's the deal. I'll let you in on a little secret. If you come to these services, I can't speak for every other church, but if you come to these services for two or three years, you're going to hear it all. Okay. Like there's just, there's not that much information. The, the, the Bible's only so long, you know? And so you're, you're going to hear it all. We're never going to be in a spot where we're going to make something up just because, you know, I heard that before. Like, we're not going to do that. But here's the thing. It's good for us to keep hearing and being reminded of eternal truth. It's good for us to be reminded about faith in Jesus and, and experiencing God's presence and what he says about our relations. Because every single one of us have a tendency to drift. Both Peter and Paul in some of their letters in the New Testament say, hey, you know what? You've heard this before. We've told you. We've written it before. You know it so well, you can even teach others. But guess what? We're going to write it to you again because it's good for you and it's good for your faith. And these, this is what this Christianity thing is all about. And the more we make this a priority in our lives, the more we have an opportunity to hear eternal truth. That's not something that we have to do. That is an incredible privilege that we get to do to help us grow in our relationship with God. But more than just that, it's also that we have an opportunity to be inspired and encouraged. And I don't know one person who doesn't want this, you know? We live in a world that's constantly trying to tear us down and dog eat dog and greed and envy and hate and backbiting and all this sort of stuff. But man, when we, when we come together as a group, we are reminded where to find peace and joy in our relationship with God. And no matter how rough our week was or how rough our week is going to be, listen, we have access to the greatest thing ever, a relationship with God. Okay, let's inspire and encourage one another to spend more time with God, to trust God with, with a little more of our lives, to, to, to maybe follow his leading. Maybe he's trying to impress something or speak something to our hearts. Okay, we can challenge and encourage and inspire each other with that sort of stuff. When we come together as a group, maybe you're the only person in your family or at your, in your neighborhood or at your job. You're the only one that's a Christian and how isolating that can feel. Well, guess what? When we come together, we see we're not the only one. Or it's not just us and two other people. No, there's a whole, there's a whole group of us. There's hundreds of us 
who care about knowing God more and following his will for my life and being involved in what he's doing in this world. It's incredible how, how just being together can, can lift us up on the inside as we spend time with God together. In just the last six months alone, just at our church, we've, we, we've been encouraged with how to deal with mental health issues, how to build stronger relationships with one another, um, how to survive some of those internal challenges that we all face, how to work through and overcome issues like control and comparison and complacency. And man, it is, it is an opportunity that we get every single week to be lifted up on the inside. That to me doesn't sound like, oh, I got to go do this. Sounds like an incredible privilege that we get to be a part of. This next one, admittedly, I'm very biased towards. But when we get together as a church, we have this incredible opportunity to worship God through songs. And, and not like this is the only place that we can do that. Again, I'm not trying to say services is everything. But this is a consistent way that we can worship him together. And, and I just believe there's something different that can happen inside of us when we sing together versus when we sing alone. And I, I don't want to make something out of nothing, but man, it just seems to me that God can touch our hearts in a different way. I know that I personally have had some incredible times just singing to God in my car, and I'm glad nobody's driving by me when I do. It'd be embarrassing. But like, when we, when we sing together, when I get to sing with all of you, God works in equally incredible yet totally different ways in me. And, and if, if there's not a whole message on worship, but if when we sing together, if you just stand like this and kind of wait for the 12 or 15 minutes to be done, all I'm going to say is you're missing out. Okay. We'll talk about it another time, but we are missing out on something incredible. And I think this singing together, this worshiping piece is one of the big reasons, in my opinion, why digital church and watching a video online is a great way to check a place out, great way to stay connected if we're gone, but one of the big reasons why it can never replace being in person. There's something different that happens. God moves in special ways when his people gather together. There's, there's just some incredible opportunities for us personally. We benefit when we make attending services a priority in our schedule. But it's not just about us either as part of it, but it's also for the sake of others as well. When, when, when we do this, when we get this opportunity, we, we get to be a part of what God is doing to benefit other, life, other people's lives as well. And if you're a parent in the room or a grandparent or an aunt or uncle or a guardian or whatever, whatever your situation is, when we do this, we get to be a part of influencing the next generation as well. That when we make this a priority for us, we are setting a, an incredible example and building a strong foundation for our kids and grandkids and, and nieces and nephews. About two months ago, I was listening to the Power Trip Morning Show on KFAN because it was leading into football season, right? And so I, I like to pay attention to talk radio now. But they had on a guest, and his name was Dan Butner or Butner. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but Dan is a National Geographic explorer. I didn't know that was a thing, but it sounds pretty cool. So 
He's that. He has he holds several Guinness World Records for cycling. He has cycled across all five continents. He's an author, he's an educator, and he's also the founder of a health company called Blue Zones. And over the past 20 years, Dan and his team, with along with people at the University of Minnesota and MIT and all sorts of really smart people, they have studied longevity and why there are certain groups of people around the world who just tend to outlive others, who are healthier, who have less dementia, who just experience a better quality of life as they get older. And what Dan found, a lot of different reasons for this, but towards the end of this interview on KFAN, he honed in on the spiritual side of things. And he's not a Christian himself. He doesn't claim to be religious. He just looks at data. And he said that in his studies, people around the world who attend religious services of any type at least four times a month tend to live on average four to 14 years longer than those who don't. So if you care about a long life, stop eating that nasty kale. Okay. That stuff's gross. Cancel your Peloton subscription. Okay. Just be here more often. The data shows you will live longer, okay? But then he went on to talk about the impact of church specifically, not just religious services, but Christian churches specifically and the impact it has in young people's lives. And this is a direct quote from him on the Power Trip Morning Show from June 21st of this year. You can check it yourself. The most cost-effective public health intervention in cities is getting young people involved in churches. When it comes to healthy communities, there's nothing better. That is a non-Christian simply following the numbers, following the data. If we care about our kids and grandkids, from Dan's perspective, getting them involved in a church is one of the best things we can do for their physical life. But we all know it's more than just physical life, right? There's an eternal side of things as well. And when we when we make this a priority, when we, when we view this as something that we get to do to help the next generation, things change. And I, I think, to me, one of the biggest tragedies in the last you know, couple generations of people has been the decline of church attendance. I, I know I've watched it happen several times in, in people that were once a part of this church and just other people I know, where you take people a generation or two older than me. Gen Xers, baby boomer sort of stuff. And, and they're, they're Christians and they love God and have, you know, Christian morals and ethics and all that. But attending church regularly just wasn't really a priority. And so when you go from that to the generation below my generation, millennial, that sort of thing, uh, the impact of God in our lives was just less, you know, maybe they tried to teach some good things and instill those values, but Overall, we just valued church and God less. And then when you go down another generation to Gen Z today, faith is almost completely gone. And here's the numbers. 72% of Gen Z that don't attend church regularly also don't believe in God at all. That's 30 million people in our world today who are separated from God. And it, it never seemed like anything was happening, right? Nothing, you know, we, we stopped going to church and spend more time somewhere else. Nothing seemed 
to be changing on the surface. But I believe the numbers show you take parents and grandparents who don't value this regular meeting together and you end up with kids and grandkids who are most likely separated from God. That's just the numbers and numbers don't lie. This is not something that we have to do. This is something that we get to do for the sake of our kids and our grandkids. And more than just within our own families, attending services regularly is part of how we draw others as well. God God can use us being together to make a difference in this world. I, I think of it like this. Imagine there's some, you know, hip new fancy restaurant in Minneapolis, right? And it's all over the news and social media and you hear people talking about it. And it's the greatest thing since sliced bread and just, you know, oh, if you're going to, if you're going to go, you better get a reservation two months in advance. It's just, it's just hopping. But then if you actually show up there, how would you feel if the place was empty? How would you feel if there was nobody you'd walk in and be like, wait a minute, what's, what's going on here? I think it can be the same sort of thing when it comes to services like this. There are many of us that we have experienced a growing relationship with God ourselves. We've put our trust in Jesus. God is doing some incredible things inside of us. And because of that, we want other people to experience it, right? We want our friends and our family and our neighbors. And so we invite them and maybe it's invite them once or, you know, invite them for a month or 10 years, but they finally decide to show up. How would you feel if when you came, there was no one here? I mean, maybe the staff is here. Maybe there's a few, you know, really dedicated volunteers, but nobody in the lobby, nobody here in the auditorium. When we would sing, it's just an empty room. Just It's just you two singled out there, right? In the, I mean, wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be awkward? Wouldn't you wish they could have a different experience than that? See, I, I believe in some small way, God uses our butts in the seats to make a difference in people's lives. That's not all we can do, but it's certainly a part that all of us can play. You and I, when we come together, you help to create a more friendly, more welcoming, more more credibility sort of environment to the message of Jesus for when we do invite people. Does that sound like something that we have to do? Man, I don't think so. I think that's an amazing thing that we get to be a part of God working not just in our world, but in our friends' and families' lives as well. And in all of these things, we can view attending services like, okay, you know what, I got to put it on my schedule. I got to wake up early. I got, like, that's one way. But man, I think there's such better ways to look at it. There's a totally different perspective. And here's, here's what it comes down to. Here's what I believe with all my heart. If we choose to do this, it doesn't guarantee that we're going to grow spiritually, right? There's, there's a whole lot of other stuff that we can do to experience God more and get to know him. But, but I believe this, attending services regularly provides opportunity for spiritual growth and not attending services regularly prevents opportunity for spiritual growth. That's just as simple as it is. Do we want more opportunity or do we want less opportunity? So I just want to close today with, with the words from the author of Hebrews. He says this, Let's, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. But actually, let's keep doing this and let's encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. This doesn't 
exclusively mean these services on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights or whenever the church is going to meet 10 years from now. It's not exclusively that, but make no doubt about it. It definitely includes that. And so here's, here's my challenge for every single one of us as we, as we wrap up today is, is this. Will we make services a priority in our schedule or not? No, nobody can make that decision except us. Are we going to make it a priority or not? What are we going to choose? Are we going to choose services or sleep? Services or sports? Services or birthday parties? Services or cabins? Services or yard work? And, and this is not about perfection, okay? Like, I don't even come every single week of the year, okay? So like, this, that's not the point. But what gets the priority schedule what gets the priority spot in our schedule? Because I think this, if we say no to services towards gathering together on a regular basis, what we're really saying no to is no, I don't want to hear more eternal truth. No, I don't need to be inspired and encouraged. No, I don't, I don't need to worship God with other people. No, I don't, you know, I don't want to be a part of helping reach the next generation or drawing others. And if, if those things aren't important to us, then don't, you know, come, come when you can. This is, not, this is not a manipulation or guilt thing at all. But if they are important, if you do care about those things, if you do want to grow in your relationship with God and help others to do the same, then it would just seem to me like this would be a wise step to take. There's so many other things in life that we schedule and put on our calendar. Maybe this could start to be one of them. If you attend on and off infrequently, shoot for once a month. If you attend once a month, shoot for twice a month. If, if you attend two, three, four times a month already, keep it up. Don't give in to the temptation to drift away and let's help bring other people along as well. This thing that we get to do on a weekly basis, there are thousands of other believers around the world who would give everything they had to get this privilege and this opportunity. Let's you and I, let's not waste it. Let's work on growing in our relationship with God by attending services regularly. Would you pray with me? Father, um, I just want to thank you for this country that we live in, the freedom that we have to assemble and worship you and get to know you and invite others to do the same. Father, I'm sorry for the times that I've personally viewed these gatherings with the wrong perspective, where it's felt more like a chore than than something that I get to do. I get to grow in my relationship with you and with others. Father, we're sorry for holding that perspective. And God, we just want to invite you to help change that. God, would you, would you reveal to us more than just words on a screen, but we ask you, God, through the Holy Spirit to impress upon us how valuable it is to meet together with other believers. Father, would you convince us and then would you help us bring it to our mind as we're scheduling, as we're thinking through our weeks and months, bring it to our mind to make our relationship with you a priority. And Father, I just, I ask in advance that as we commit more of ourselves to you, that you would help us experience you more and that you would help us reach more people as well. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.